Oh yeah, dig it! Hi, hello, and welcome to the November Diary episode of the Macho Movie Man podcast, where I discuss all the movies I've watched in the previous month. Um, but before we start, just a quick heads up on the future of the podcast. Unfortunately, we won't be recording another episode this side of the new year. Uh, it's just a fact that most of the contributors and um, uh, folks in when in regards to this podcast are very busy with jobs. Dean is currently working multiple jobs. Thomas, Owen, Brennan, they're all working flat out between now and Christmas. So while I'll be having the December Diary and my list of the top 10 best films of the year, or well, my top 10 favourite films of the year, and so on and so forth, but between now and the end of the month, we won't be having another episode until probably January. Apologies, folks, but everyone's got busy lives, busy lives, but I promise 2023 will have a lot more content than 2022 did. Um, but let's get on with the November Diary. Um, I didn't watch as many movies this month in November because I was traveling. I was away on holidays for the first week or so of it. Um, but I started off my watchings this month with a rewatch, my fourth rewatch of Everything Everywhere All at Once. And if you've read my review for it on my Instagram page... Or if you know me at all, you'll know I've said so many things about this movie. I'll just say it again. It's probably, without a doubt, my number one film of the year with a bullet. Every time I rewatch it, I love it even more. It grows on me even more. I under I spot new things, and I just think that everywhere all everywhere everything everywhere all at once is just a special film. That comes along maybe once a decade, even more, you know, even more than that. But like, I just think it's a special film that we're going to be talking about for a very, very long time. And it's my favourite film of the year, hands down. Um, I also watched E.T. And this is a movie where every time I rewatch it, I grow more love for it. I always respected E.T. But the older I get and the more... I see it, the more I appreciate just what Spielberg did with this movie. It is an incredible feat to do a movie like this, almost entirely from the perspective of a child. Like, you, like there's barely any adult characters in it. And it manages to be both sweet, sentimental, and schmaltzy in all the Spielberg ways, but never feels bad schmaltzy or too emotional i just think it is a it's a da it's an almost perfect film and i love it every i love it more and more every time i rewatch it it's a classic it's et um then i watched analyze this which is a comedy from the 90s starring um billy crystal and robert de niro and it's very much a comedy from a time where the pairing of actors was the first and paramount thing that the movie cared about. And then the story and the jokes and the script were all secondary. You know, it's a movie where the dynamic is what sails the entire thing. And it's alright. It's very, very forgettable. 
and it's quite meh. But they made a sequel, so apparently people did like it. I'm a huge Billy Crystal fan, so I'll watch him in just about anything. And this is very much a film where Robert De Niro is doing a Robert De Niro impression. Um, I wouldn't recommend, but if you have nothing else to watch, it's not terrible. It's just quite forgettable. Um, I watched Lyra, which is the best documentary I've seen in 2022. It's about Lyra, Lyra McKee, the uh, Northern Ireland journalist who unfortunately was murdered in a riot in Derry back in, I believe it was 2017. Um, and it's about her life and how her family has been dealing with the aftermath of her death. It's about her writing and it's just a very beautiful film. It's a personal film. It's a film that takes what could have just been a tragic figure and morphs her into a not only a martyr, but a voice for her generation. And it's a true celebration of her voice. Um, and it's it's just a fabulous documentary. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's just brilliant. Um, I watched My Father's Dragon, which is the latest from Cartoon Saloon, who I think is one of the best animation studios currently producing films. Uh, it's available on Netflix. Unfortunately, it's not a bad film, My Father's Dragon. It's nice and... Of course, it's visually stunning. It's a beautifully animated film. It's just, it's probably the least interesting film the Cartoon Saloon has ever done. So while it's still better than most of the other animated films this year, it's not on the level of their previous work. So I would say it's their weakest, but it's still more than, more than okay to watch. You know, like it's not bad. It's just not as good as Cartoon Saloon can be. Um, I watched My Old School, which is a documentary based on a really, really batshit crazy story from Scotland in the 90s, where a 36-year-old man went back to his old secondary school and was able to pretend to be a student. Um, and it's an interesting story and an interesting take on the uh, the... The concept of how you remember things when you're young and how you remember them now, like the different sides of it, like a really like it's a it's a story where the 18 year old in you would go, oh, man, what a legend. And then when you're older, you're like, OK, now hang on a minute. No, that wasn't right. No, he's a he's not. He's, that's not that's not a good thing. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, oh no. It's it's really that it tackles the concept of memory. Um and it does a really cool it it's got some nice little animated bits in there. Um that's kind of drawn in that 90s Darius style. Um and also it features Alan Cummings lip-syncing audio from the person in question who did it, but he wouldn't agree to appear on camera. So they got Alan Cummings to uh, do the lip sync for it. Um, with, and they also had a funny joke that at one point they were talking about making a movie and Alan Cummings was um, attached onto it, but 
I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a nice, it's a nice kind of full circle thing if it was. Um, and yeah, like it's a, it's an interesting documentary. I don't know if it sticks the landing quite so much. It's a bit too long, but it's, but it's a, it's an interesting watch. I also watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, I think this is probably one of the better films that Marvel has put out in phase four. Like up there with No Way Home and Shang-Chi for me. Um, even though I will admit this movie, it's a bit messy. It's too long and it's quite dense. It tries to pack in so many things and I don't think it all entirely works. Uh, but this movie was made under horrendously poor circumstances. It lost its main actor to cancer, which is tragic. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Um, it had a difficult filming. It had COVID to deal with. It had drama behind the scenes, if you want to believe um, the news and whatnot. Um, uh, and it's a film that was dealing with how do you replace or how do you carry on without... Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa, who was one of the most well-received Marvel characters in the entire franchise. And it's I find it difficult to criticise the film to an extent because this film did not turn out the way it was originally intended. There is no way in the world that the movie that we got in November... 2022 was the Black Panther sequel we were going to get when the sequel was announced in 2018 after the first film just became the most successful thing um so the fact that it wasn't the plan and the fact that the production had to go through so much it's why I don't want to compare Wakanda Forever to Black Panther because I just think that's unfair and I don't think it really matters. You know, I, I think it's futile because they're such different movies because they had to be different movies. The thing I love about Wakanda Forever is it takes its time to pay tribute to Bozeman in heartfelt ways. And you can see that this was a tool for Ryan Coogler, direct, the director, to mourn the loss of his friend. Everyone in the cast gives it 110%. Uh, Tina Cuerta plays uh, Namur, the, the main villain, and he is one of the biggest uh, breakout stars of the year for my money. He is phenomenal in this movie. He damn near steals the entire show. And I, I just love the fact that this is the first time in a while that a Marvel movie has felt like it has a purpose for the story being told beyond just we're introducing a new character into the universe or we are setting things up for another movie down the line in whatever person's sequel. Like this film had a purpose for existing beyond the universe that it's set in you know it is a film about dealing with grief 
you know, and I respect the uh, choice not to replace, not to recast T'Challa because it allows for a big multi-million dollar film to talk about grief in a way that is meaningful because the stars are grieving, the audience is grieving, the director's grieving, so it so it will actually carry more weight. And I think it's important that a movie talk about grief, especially a big movie like this. Um so yeah, so I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's far from perfect, but it had but it was made with heart and it was made with love, and I respect that. Uh, then I watched Plan 9 from Outer Space, which warrants its reputation as one of the all-time worst films ever made. And it is so much fun in the first act and a little bit in act two. But it's one of those films that is just, it's so bad that it kind of wore me down by the time act three came around. And it's just, it stops being fun because... It starts to take itself seriously in the third act. And I just I just didn't find it fun throughout. I really enjoyed the opening act when you had Bella Lugosi turning up for a minute or two. And then obviously Bella Lugosi died in real life. Um, and then someone who does not look like Bella Lugosi at all is uh, his stand-in for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Um, and then someone uh, made Tor Johnson, the Swedish bodybuilder, play a cop, which is just hilarious. Um, but it just it's not it's not a it's not as fun as I hoped it would be. And it's a little bit disappointing in that sense. But I fully understand why it's often regarded as one of the worst films ever made. It's really bad. I just kind of wish it had been more fun bad for me. Then I watched Murder on the Orient Express, the 2017 Kenneth Branagh version. And this is one I hadn't seen since it came out. And I don't remember being that crazy about it when it came out in 2017. I think I saw it on like a college class trip to the cinema. And I don't know, maybe I was feeling off that day. But um, yeah, this was a way better time on a second watch. I mean... I can't tell if it's, like, because the film is anything great, because I don't think it's anything special, or if it's just the fact that it is a it is a fine, perfectly competent retelling of one of the greatest mystery stories ever told, or in this case written by uh, Agatha Christie. So I think it's more a case of if you do the story even okay, it will be good because the story is good as opposed to the film is anything special. I think Kenneth Branagh is, is, an, is a fairly okay Poirot. I like the cast. You know, you've got Judy Dench in there. Um, it's a solid cast. Um, and, it, and again, it is a great story. Um, and it's just a shame that Death on the Nile wasn't as good as this. Um, but yeah, like I said, nothing special, but it's all right. Then I watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and I was so happy that this was as good as it was. I'm a big Weird Al fan, and I feel like we're at a point where we've had so many musical biopics, especially in the last few years with 
Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man and even Elvis earlier this year, that the world needed a piss take of the music biopics. This generation's walk hard and weird the Al Yankovic story is all that and more. It is so much fun. It's hilarious. It's a film that marches to the beat of its own drum. It's equal parts parody, knowingly and unknowingly parody. Um, this is a world where, you know, Eat It came out before Beat It. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe is so good in this movie. He plays it with a level of straightness and a level of naivety that is just perfectly balanced. And it's one of the only music biopics about like a famous a famous artist that feels like it remains true and loyal to what that artist was about. You know, like Bohemian Rhapsody, it's a straightforward biopic. Yet Queen is you know, one is is was an ambitious band. So it doesn't feel like it does justice to Queen, but this feels like it does justice to Weird Al because this movie is weird. This movie is so Weird Al, um, and it's just it's ridiculous, glorious nonsense and nonsense, and I loved every minute of it. Then I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, if you what if you read my you can read my Instagram review of that. Um, it's available on my Instagram page, Jay Kelly nineteen ninety seven. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I think uh these special presentations the Marvel are calling them are the way forward for them. It was not. It was a lot of fun. It was a nice break from the MCU norm. The humor was perfectly Guardians. It felt true to what the Guardians of the Galaxies galaxy is as a series. It's a lot of charm. Mantis and Drax are great. It was a great idea to have them carry it because this is a lot more focused on the comedy than the action. There's not really much action in it at all besides a, a sequence of with Mantis and Drax like beating up some cops. Um, Kevin Bacon is in it and he's great. And this is just full of all that heart and charm that you want from a Guardians of the Galaxy sh special. And it's a great appet and it whets the appetite a lot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is coming next year. Um, then I watched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valens, which is one of the greatest westerns ever made. It's a classic and it also acts as a deconstruction of the western myth. Like there's a very famous quote from the movie where someone says, This is the West, this is the West. Um when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. So it's a deconstruction of Western legends um, and like what the stories really were. Um, it deconstructs that and it's a story of, you know, the West meeting its past and its future. You know, like the people that, and it's about society to an extent, the people who have helped society stay stable being left behind by what society needs to move forward you've got um jimmy stewart and john wayne who are both fantastic in this john wayne is quite good in this movie it's one of his best performances and obviously 
Jimmy Stewart was amazing. Um, and it's just, it's a really interesting story about societal change and how um, sometimes the most important little people in society just get left behind. Um, and, you know, sometimes the sacrifices of those people get lost to history. Uh, and those who they sacrifice for get the glory. Um, it's a, it's an interesting film. I highly recommend it. It looks fantastic, even though it is in black and white. Um, I know Westerns aren't for everyone, but I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, then I watched The Menu, starring Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. This was a fun and sharp lampoon of the pretentious side of the food world. Um, and it's a great eat the rich story in general um, that puts the emphasis on eat. Uh, it's not afraid to be a little silly and it's thankfully not too far up its own ass for as sometimes these look at these rich folks kind of movies can be. Um, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. It, it. It's a great movie that to watch on a Netflix one nice if it's available on Netflix. Um, then I watched Defunct Land's new video documentary, uh, Disney Channel theme, A History Mystery. And this was just a fantastic documentary. And I will say documentary. Yes, it's on YouTube. It's a YouTube video, but I do believe it should hold the title of a documentary because he did the work of a documentary filmmaker. He went down a rabbit hole of Disney Channel history of looking at God knows how many clips because he shows the process in it and it's like it's a great look at the process of making a documentary researching a documentary but it's also a lot deeper than just that and the nostalgia for Disney Channel if you're someone who grew up with it like I grew up with uh 2000s era Disney Channel and I learned things about this that era that I didn't even know like I didn't know there was a bounce era and that there was a ribbon era because I was a kid and I was just like oh look the logo bounces this week and then at some point it changed to being a ribbon I was like oh it changed to being a ribbon but it explores the concept of legacy and if what it means to have one thing be your legacy and is it okay to even what to even kind of prescribe onto someone a legacy of a thing you know because the when when they find out who actually made the disney channel theme is very much a case of like is it okay to put this legacy onto this person if he if said person may have only spent a day or two working on this thing yes it's iconic and yes it's paramount it's a key to a lot of people's childhoods but you know it may be the person did a lot more other things and this is what they get remembered for. Is that okay? I just think it's a very interesting conversation to have on the concept of legacy beyond just the label of it. Um, then I watched two Christmas films as we got closer to the start of December. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I don't think is as bad as some people say it is. I think it's a very flawed movie. 
that has a story that they pad out too much to make it from a short story into a feature film and they don't pad it out correctly because they just let Jim Carrey go too wild at times as the Grinch. I think he's great in the movie and so much respect for him doing the role and going through all those many, many, many hours of makeup. But um, I just think it can be a bit too much. I'm not the biggest Jim Carrey guy, so maybe that explains it. But, you know, I think he's good in this movie, but it can be a bit too Jim Carrey sometimes. But as a production, I think it's an incredible achievement. All the set design and production design, the costumes, the makeup. I think if you want to look at it from just a visual lens, I think it's an an astounding achievement. But just as a story, I think it's very flawed. Um, and then I watched the 1994 remake of Miracle on 34th Street, which I think is a very strange movie. It's weirdly capitalist and a tad bit religious, and it's entirely carried by Richard Attenborough's performance, who is incredible, and I think he might just be the greatest movie Santa of all time. He is everything you think of when you think of Santa in this movie. He feels like he literally just walked out of the logo on the Coca-Cola truck. That is how Santa Claus Richard Anper is in this movie and he is just fantastic he carries the whole thing Mario Wilson is really good in it as well but it's the Richard Attenborough show I also watched Glass Onion which I think is a great sequel to the 2019 Ryan Johnson original um it's hilarious it's a lot of fun to watch the mystery is interesting layered and complex to the point where i want to re-watch this actually i watched it twice the first time i was completely like following the trail for the mystery and then the second time i was able to just re lean back and re-watch and think god he really did craft a great mystery with this one that feels so refreshingly different to the first one i was worried that they would accidentally fall into the same trappings that the first one did you know but it, this felt different but it still had the same energy I don't think it keeps that energy going after a certain point I feel like the third act in this is weaker than the third act in Knives Out um, I just think you know once you get to a point where you know a bit more of the mystery it it stops kind of being interesting and just you're kind of waiting for the ending um and i think it goes a bit too go big or go home uh to where it kind of loses a bit of something in how big it goes um but i still think it's very solid i don't think it's as good as the first one but it didn't need to be as good as the first one it just needed to not be shit and it's not shit it's quite good it's not in cinemas anymore you gotta wait until december 23rd to go and watch it on netflix but i would very much recommend it it's a it'll be a good movie to watch over the holiday season um and then i finished up the month by watching bones and all which is the new luca guadagnino film um who previously directed the remake of suspiria and also 2017's call me by your name 
which was the big breakout movie for Timothy Chalamet, who also stars in Bones and All, alongside Taylor Russell, as two cannibals who are on the fringes of society and go on this road trip romance movie um, after Taylor Russell's character is abandoned by her father. She goes to learn about her mother and along her travels she meets Timothy Chalamet who plays another cannibal. Um, And this movie just got under my skin in all of the best ways and I I think this movie is fantastic. It's a movie I've been struggling to get out of my brain since I saw it. Um, it's a movie that I didn't think that I was going to like as much as I did. I was like, I'm going to watch it and it's going to be good. I don't think I'm going to love it though. I don't know if it's going to be quite my thing. But I ended up loving this movie. It's one of the best movies of the year for my money. Um, and it's a fantastic body horror film, and it's quite grotesque and nasty, but it never makes its grotesque nastiness a gimmick. You know, it always uses the cannibalism as a metaphor for the other things it wants to be about. It's about otherness, and it's about queerness, and it's about being on the fringe of society and not fitting in, and having that affecting your life. And I just think the acting is tremendous. Mark Rylance plays um, a supporting character and he is just one of the most upsetting characters I've seen in a movie in a long, long time. I just adored this movie. It's going to be on my top 10, I think. I think that's probably a certainty at this point. Um, and it's not going to be a movie for everyone. It's not going to be to everyone's liking. Some people are going to find it too gruesome, too gory. Some people are going to find it way too slow and uh, plodding because it's deliberately paced. Some people are going to find it too weird, but I I dug it. I really dug it. Um, And that's what I watched in the month of November. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, The December Diaries will be hopefully uh, by the end of the month, hopefully by, I don't know, New Year's or so. But, um... Thank you very much. And again, thank you for being patient. 2023, I'll have a lot more content coming out. Please, God. Um, so thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.